Podcast Fresh. Okay, everybody, welcome back to episode two of Podcast Fresh Cafe. I am Ryan Mello, aka Acapello, here with my co hosts, Mr. Chris Torres. What's up, man? Hello. I'm good, man. You good? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I hope everybody out there had a Merry Christmas. Everyone's having, you know, just enjoying the time off given the uh, circumstances of the world. And, uh, you know, 2021, we're here. Let's change this change this puppy around, you know? Change the boat direction because 2020 was a shit show. <laughs> Where's the boat going? The boat was going to uh, that iceberg that the Titanic hit, but we're maybe we're trying to change <laughs> that course, you know? <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it's uh you know new day, new calendar. Um, still a lot of the same issues with respect to the virus and all that bullshit. But uh, yeah, hopefully we can cheer everybody up just for an hour or so. That's right, and uh, so yeah, the world for some reason this week little little slower. But we're just gonna have a casual episode. We're gonna talk about whatever we feel like talking about. Um, we did just have a, a new episode of the Fresh Prince podcast go up, so you could check that out. Um. By the time this comes out, it won't be that dated, I don't think. Uh, um, what else? Yeah, just uh, I've been enjoying my damn time off. Chris, what have you been doing during, during your time off? Nothing. Just uh, chilling. I haven't really um, undertaking any anything crazy. Um, beginning of the year is always like a boring time in my life. I got to get all my uh, my car stuff updated and renewed. Stickers need to be renewed and stuff like that. So, um I'm kind of just dealing with all this admin stuff right now, but hopefully that'll all be over over in a little bit. What have you been doing? Yeah, more of the same. Just just chilling. I think I just, you know, I, I honestly do believe I worked so much this year that it's just nice to finally have some time off. I never applied for any vacation days or anything. In the past seven years, I've been employed. So it's like... It's just I, I when this time rolls around, it's technically the only time I do have off. So I do I cherish that you know just sit down period. Yeah, and I just you know eat, sleep, play video games. That's it. That's right. You know. And uh, speaking of video games, I've played a lot. Uh, I know you have too. And even though this is a more casual episode of the uh, cafe, we're still going to touch on the subjects that we usually talk about. Um, but yeah, going back to my my time off, like just. I, the, the audience knows that I bought a house and I got married this year. I've done a lot of renovating, a lot of work around the house. Even today, um, I went up or went outside in the snow and I had to pull up, put up these like vinyl, vinyl shielding like panels on the fence because the dogs now have a tendency to go through the the uh, the space of the fence and run out. So oh yeah, the door, the dogs are trying to escape. Yeah, so I had to fix that. Um, your dad actually left me the material, and I finally bought zip ties, and I I just nice. There you go. All. Yeah, so I finally got around to doing that. I got tired of chasing Yoshi outside, but um, it doesn't help either because there's a two doors down. There's a big golden retriever that just barks every time they're outside. So it's a yeah. war between the four little ones and the big ass golden retriever. Wow, <laughs> it's kind of, that's awesome! It's funny, but Yoshi's the only one with balls to actually run out and go confront him. It's funny, man. Mm. But um, yeah, so I finally did that, and like, yeah, just you know, that's what comes with just having your own space. You just kind of you got to be on top of things. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I did. I wasn't completely lazy. I did a lot of work like that over the uh, the two weeks that I've been home. But um, yeah. That's my story. 
Um, that's your uh, that's your story. You're sticking to that's it. That's my story for the two weeks. And uh, 2021 is underway for me, and we'll see what happens starting Monday. Yes. Chris. Yes. Anything you want to talk about? Um, I was actually looking at the uh, wrestling news this uh, this weekend. Um, I saw today that uh, Mick Foley, Mankind, had actually tested positive for COVID. Damn. Um, so that's pretty crappy, especially somebody his age and with his uh, history of injuries and everything else, right? To to see Mick Foley test positive for COVID, but um, you know, I guess he got it at like a virtual signing or something back on December twelfth. Damn. So, uh, yeah, this is from uh, the Wrestling Observer newsletter, um, or not, website, rather. It says, uh, in a tweet, Foley said that he had tested positive following a December 12th virtual signing event and has been isolated in a hotel room for the last 18 days. So, that's horrible. Uh, Anybody, of course, that knows Mick Foley knows that he's a huge fan of Christmas. This is his favorite time of the year. He has an entire room in his house dedicated to just Santa stuff. And, wow. of course, a couple of years ago, he donned a Santa suit. And I think he was Santa for, like, the entire year or whatever it was, right? Wow. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, best wishes go out to Mick Foley, man. Um, uh, he goes, quote, there were two people in the room with me, both wearing masks. He's referring um, here to the virtual signing. He re- recorded this in a video. He says, I did take my mask off so that I could do a better job on the virtual signing. And one of the gentlemen ended up having symptoms later that night. And then Foley in the video said that he would have done a better, he should have done a better job at social distancing, mentioning how he had done four virtual signings before the pandemic and also appeared for The Undertaker's final farewell at the Survivor Series in November. And then he also says that the worst part of contracting the disease is unable to celebrate the holidays with his family. So that's really crappy. Yeah. Um, but you know Foley's a tough dude, and uh, you know if he does the right things and isolates, he sh- he you know he should be okay. But uh, it's just somebody at his age, and you know, and with his health, he's not exactly a picture of perfect health. But um, hopefully, he'll be all right. Yeah, it's sad to hear, man. That's that's a concerning one too. Like I hear Mick Foley has COVID. I don't really think the most positive things, you know. Um, given to what you just said, if it was like a young dude, like if I heard. Randy Orton, for example, had COVID. I wouldn't be too too worried about it, but Mick Foley, yeah. given his history, you're right. Like he's not the most healthy dude. He can't be right now. Um and that just sucks. So yeah, best wishes out to Mick Foley. God damn. Yeah, it does suck. So that's uh that came out yesterday. Uh, yesterday is what? Uh Friday. So Friday, January one. There you go. So that crappy news. Um but speaking of younger guys. Do you know who Ben Carter is? No. So Ben Carter was, um, he was an independent wrestler. And then AEW, I guess, signed him, or at least was paying him weekly to wrestle on the uh, AEW Dark Show, okay. which is kind of like the B show to Dynamite. And he'd been having some pretty good matches. And he, I remember watching this guy, high flyer, uh, can be a little bit technical as well. And, um, you know, he's only 22 years old. And this was like the first real guy that WWE actually signed, like directly, f- f- kind of from underneath AEW's kind of thumb. So Ben Carter's uh, only 22 years old, young kid, and uh, he's going to show up next week on uh, NXT UK. 
which is a little bit concerning. But uh, I guess if it makes it easier for him to get to those shows, it makes sense for him to be on the UK brand. I just think I don't think too much about that brand right now, especially with uh, how it's kind of been handicapped with COVID and everything else. And even before COVID, it was kind of like the uh, it, 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 it didn't have that uh, sort of presence here in North America that I think we all thought it might. And I think part of the reason, just the way it's been booked and everything else, I mean, I don't even know who the NXT UK champion is, right? I couldn't tell you. But, um, you know, some guys, some good guys have come out of there, obviously, like Pete Dunne. And now you got a young guy in uh, Ben Carter uh, going to be in there. <coughs> he's going to be on Noam Dar. Remember Noam Dar from 205 Live? Yeah. So he's still in, uh, he's in uh, NXT UK right now, and he's got his own, uh, I guess, Supernova Sessions kind of... Uh, a segment that he's going to do, and Ben Carter is going to be the special guest next week. So oh, cool. it'll be interesting to watch Ben Carter um, because, like I said, I think this kid's got a lot of potential, and it's like the first guy that WWE signed. And uh, Ben Carter, Carter got a it got a big um, got a pretty big push. Uh, it, got, it was announced in a video that aired on December seventeenth episode of NXT UK. It included comments from William Regal, Ashton Smith, Wolfgang, Nigel McGuinness, Seth Rollins. And Sid Scala. Uh, Carter trained at Rollins and Merrick's Braves Black and Brave Wrestling Academy. So, um, yeah, he's coming in with some hype. And they actually put a little video package together for him. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But, yeah, Ben Carter. That's a name to uh, definitely uh, look out for, I think. Yeah, I'm watching his match here with um, Lee Johnson. And, yeah, he's pretty good, man. Damn. Definitely On AEW? On AEW, yeah. The dark match. Yeah. Um yeah, and he's got a good look. Yeah, yeah. He totally would fit into the NXT UK brand. Not that I know much yeah. about it, but just the NXT in general, I could see him making a splash there. You're right, yeah, though. Yes. The NXT UK brand is very... um, It's just not like in our radar at all, you know? And I think the only no. one that I really paid attention to that came out of there was Pete Dunne and also Walter. But I think Walter's still there, right? right? Yeah, he's still there. He rarely wrestles, but uh, yeah, he's he's on there. Right. I heard Walter, uh, the buzz for Walter, man, and I saw him. It was like, it was kind of like the second coming of Andre the Giant to me, man. He's huge, that guy. But um, yeah, um, yeah, Walter's awesome, but <coughs> he lives in Germany, I think, and he doesn't like to travel. So yeah, well, that'll he definitely have uh, to stay in the <laughs> UK. Yeah, but yeah, man, Ben Carter, hey, it looks good, man. Damn, from what I see. But um, speaking of wrestling, did you watch SmackDown this week? No, it happened. I'm very surprised that they're continuing a uh, Kevin Owens-Roman Reigns feud after the pay-per-view and after last week and everything. Yeah. It's, so where's that story going right now? Well, he, he came He came out. Kevin Owens came out, and he called out Jey Uso and uh, Roman, and they're in the ring. And Jey Uso has pretty much been the only reason why kevin owens hasn't pinned roman for the belt and he kind of makes that known so he's like saying you know if it wasn't for your cousin you you wouldn't have that belt anymore so he kind of drops the roman uh hunt and he kind of calls out Jey Uso, and he's like tonight i want you so i'm very surprised i don't know i'm not in- interested in this feud at all and i think this is like the worst way to go after the spectacular like setup of the jay uso and roman reigns feud that we had a couple months ago um it's kind of died down and i i get it they're setting they're probably setting up for something bigger and this is just a, a placeholder so to speak but 
right. I can't get behind it. It's just not that interesting to me. I find it random that Kevin Owens is is so uh, so blood hungry, bloodthirsty for this these two. It just doesn't really make sense to me. There's no, there was never anything established as to why he's so connected to these two. But mm-hmm. anyway, so him and Jay have a match, and Kevin Owens actually wins. So what apparently what Kevin Owens said in the promo was, after I beat you, I'm going to beat you up. So he obviously starts assaulting Jay like crazy. And uh, he handcuffs him to the ropes. He starts hitting him with chairs, stuff like that. And then eventually they take it to the stage where all the screens are in the audience. And Roman eventually comes to the aid of, of Jay. And he ends up throwing Owens from like, I don't know how high, but through a table. It looked it was a nasty bump. It looks pretty effed up. Um, wow. I just, I don't know. I, I don't really understand, though, why they're doing this feud. I feel like you could go a million ways with it. And I, it's like the main event of SmackDown. But it's like, honestly, the thing I probably care the least about. I just wanted your thoughts on it. I don't know if you've even been following it, but I, I think it's interesting. I have, but how would you do it? You said there's a million ways to do it. How would you do it? How would you book Owens and, and Reigns so that it makes sense for you? I, I don't think I would have stopped... I, I would have stopped the, the matches between Jey Uso and Roman, but I think there should be more of a fight back from Jay. But literally, he's been mm. converted to Roman's puppet so fast, I feel like. Right. And, like, whatever Roman says now, like, Jay is like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're the dude. You're the you're the chief. I find it weird. I, I think that Jay went into that those matches with such, like, passion for for the family and he didn't want to be in Roman's shadow and all that just for like a couple wins by Roman. That's going to change everything. Like your whole perspective. I think there, there just could have been something cooler. Um, I, I think there should have been, they should have built up tension between them uh, up to now. I feel, I feel like you could have had like the audience guessing this whole time, whether or not Jay will turn again or, or not. But literally it's like, Jay's just a yes man now to Roman. And now I feel like because they don't really know where to take the feud because there aren't many bodies, they're bringing in Kevin Owens yeah. who hasn't really been doing anything. And he's kind of like, look, yep. you're going to carry this feud until something better comes along. And it's just kind of like a waste of time because let's be real. I don't think Kevin Owens is ever going to win the belt from Roman. That wouldn't do the Roman character justice. And it's just highly unlikely. And it would pretty much be a waste of a setup between, you know, everything they were doing with Jay. Um, my guess, I feel like they're waiting for Jimmy to come out. I feel like Jimmy uh, still maybe isn't cleared f- uh, from his injury from a while back. We haven't seen Jimmy in a while. And uh, maybe that's what they're waiting. And maybe Jimmy will be the one to cause a stir between the three of them. Who knows? Uh, but even then, I'd be happy with that. Just just some kind of family turmoil, I think, would be the way to go. Because that's kind of how it started. The fact that now they're just like these two Samoan guys who cheat every which way to get what they want. Like... I don't know. I don't really find it interesting because it's the same thing week after week. It's basically two guys against one. Like, of course, you know what the outcome's going to yeah. be. And not to mention, it's Kevin Owens, who doesn't have the best track record with Vince McMahon. And, you know, he's not really a McMahon guy. So, realistically, what do you think this outcome is going to be? I-, I kind of figured it out already, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, for sure, it's definitely a kind of a placeholder. But um, I can think that's more of an indictment on the fact that WWE doesn't have anybody really ready to take the heel role right so we're kind of we're kind of they're kind of doing that Dolph Ziggler thing like oh let's heat up this guy for two months and he'll be a contender you know um and that's the problem and then after this program Kevin Owens will probably get back in line and go do something else you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um 
But with respect to uh, Jey Uso, I guess you're right. I mean, I, I think what you're you're probably angling for or what you would like to see is maybe more of a side where Jay's kind of pushing back on all the horrible things that he's being asked to do, right, by his cousin. Yeah. But as of right now, they haven't done anything like that. And I'm guessing it's because they they don't need to go back in the direction of Jey Uso, Roman Reigns again. And I don't think by his other brother coming back in, like, I hope they don't take turns and now it's going to be Jimmy's turn to go with Reigns. But that could happen. That could very much happen where he's trying to try to convince Jay to snap out of, you know, Roman Reigns shadow or dark cloud or whatever you want to call it. Right. So you could do something like that. It's uh, but I I don't listen. We're trying to book this. WWE doesn't know what they're going to be doing in four weeks. No, I think the I think the match to make is is Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns, right? And for the first time, you do it with Reigns being a heel and uh, with Lesnar being a babyface. And then I I think you you go all the way and you put over Roman in that one again. Yeah, I don't argue with that. See, but that's what I'm saying. Kevin Owens is clearly there to fill out the time bet- between now and when that can happen. Yeah, and he's not going to be the only one because you can't do Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns for four months. You know, like right, something's going to change. Um, I think it would just be interesting to have Jimmy come in and stir the pot. I don't know because like the the Usos the Usos were inseparable since they've de- debuted. There was never any you know issue between them or whatever. And I'm not telling. I'm not saying that they should pull a, a Hardy Boys freaking feud where you know they turn on each other and it's like unrealistic. The fact that Roman is the way he is right now, like this whole thing is already kind of off the rails in the way of like, you know, these three are probably tight backstage. There isn't any family turmoil, but they've played it. Right. They've done it. They've done a great job. Honestly, credit where credit's due. They've done an amazing job convincing the audience that, you know, that family operates in a weird, unique way where there is a chief and that whole heritage is like a sacred thing to them. And, like you could literally pull this off really good. You could do a Hardy Boys angle like that where they turn on each other, and it would be kind of believable. Where the Usos would be like, you know, you you wouldn't really know. It, it would it yeah. would it would be way better than all those other feuds. So that's just my two cents. I just feel like this is a waste of time. I don't know where it's going, and I can't believe they're still doing it. Like I I think it was fine at first, but the fact that there was already two matches for the belt, and you know, we keep saying the same thing done over and over again. I just feel like at this point it was time to move on. And we're still kind of doing Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns, so I don't know. But you know what? You pose a good question. Where do we go from here? Because it's not like Lesnar is going to return anytime soon, and I can't think of anybody else that would be up for it. So, right. Well, I think with each of the programs, you kind of have to um, you kind of have to figure since nothing's perfect in uh, WWE, you kind of have to follow each program specifically based on what you're looking for, right? So if you're looking for uh, good wrestling matches, then you're going to get that out of Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens. But if you're looking for a combination of things, you're probably never going to find that. It's going to be either one or the other, you know? And you'll see this happen to many guys. Like, you'll see, like, a a match in the middle of the card or at the bottom of the card where it's got zero story. But you know it might still be a good match, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um... Yeah, I don't know what you do with SmackDown this this week. They're back under two million viewers again, but you know that show aired on uh, New Year's, so I wouldn't really to take too much stock in that. But um, 
Yeah, man. It's hard to book WWE because even they don't know what they're booking. So there's no real, no real indicator. You know, they could bring Jinder Mahal in and he becomes the number one contender. You know, and Roman just crushes them in ten seconds. Yeah, just to get out of the way. You know, but um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what really you do in that, in that uh, on SmackDown. There, I mean, there's just not a lot for for Roman to do. Yeah. That's unfortunate because I was really looking forward to this heel run, you know. Fans have wanted it for years. He's finally like a believable asshole character and uh, it's just it's unfortunate yeah. that the timing is off. It's pretty well, I don't think it's is. even the timing. I just think the company's been in the in the shits for like three years now, right? Right. It doesn't really matter who the... You could put the strap on... on... It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter what name I say because they're never going to do it. You know, they they just keep going to the same guys that have had the belts forever, you know. Right. It's going to be Randy Orton. The, the, the one that we might get is maybe Edge, but I don't like the idea of, uh, of like an Edge being a world champion in 2021. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like he wrestles I just don't like anyway. that. Like it's, it would be another Lesnar situation where the belt would be hostage and we wouldn't see it. And yeah, I'm not about it either. I'm sure you can cut a he, he the promos would be great and I'm sure you can do some good good programs. Oh for sure. But I think I think Edge um I think Edge you can have a great program with Edge. It doesn't have to be for a title. It doesn't have to be for a title. And I think this might be an unpopular opinion. I think the best story you can tell with Edge is cuz he's the ultimate opportunist and this and that but this is like years beyond or whatever. I think he makes it all the way to the world title, and then he loses. I don't think there's anything wrong with that story, you know? Yeah. No, that'd be good. Right? Because he already got his fairy tale ending. He was able to beat um, Alberto Del Rio to keep the world title at WrestleMania, and the next night he retired. Like, that's the perfect send-off, you know? He never had to lose the belt. He never had to, quote-unquote, do the honors. Right. And I think Edge is one of those guys that would do the honors on his way out. Now, how long he's here for and when that way out is going to happen, nobody knows. But um, I would imagine he would want to do the honors on the way out. Yeah. I mean, nothing wrong with it. Um, I'm, I'm honestly just happy that he made that Royal Rumble debut or uh, return and, uh, you know, shot yeah, everybody. Yeah, that was cool, wasn't it? Oh, man, that was, a, that was an amazing return. Top 10, for sure. Top 10. Um, maybe in our last bit of WWE stuff, did you hear that a lot of the wrestlers rejected their uh, their new contracts? No, I'd uh, seen a report somewhere, but what are some of the names? No, that's the thing. No names came out. Mm-hmm. But a lot of uh, wrestlers were offered contracts, and all of them pretty much just passed on. And... Uh, Apparently, the word is they're just going to see how the, the rest of the remainder of their time there would, would go. Um, obviously, probably due to, to COVID and and just the company in general. Uh, let's face it. The company in the past couple months has been going through a crazy time with the whole union movement. And when they when they uh, got rid of Zelina Vega, like that stirred up the pot. Like this company has been in the shits for a long time. And things like this don't, don't help. Um, and I'm sure that some of the wrestlers there, you know, they they take that stuff into consideration, and they very they they weigh their options. And I'm sure that with things like AEW making the rise, like you don't really have to necessarily stay in WWE. Well, you know, it's very I don't know what to make of that story. It's 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 
it's so hard to say. Like that's such a general. It could just it is be a three vague. people that it said is a no. Vague. You know what I yeah. mean? It could be nothing. It could be that WWE is lowballing people. You know that's possible too. So I don't know. Everybody's got their own reason, right? Um, it's not always about the money. Some people just want to go for like a better direction. Um, it's not always about AEW. Some people might be moving out of the industry, you know, or might be going to Japan or Mexico or somewhere else, right? Not that you can really go to any places right now, at least jump back and forth. If you want to go somewhere, you probably have to stay there. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we'll definitely have to wait and see. But uh, until I hear names, that's kind of a very general, you know, little news story there. I don't know how much stock I put into that. Um, I saw it on a, like a Twitter article. And then when I clicked it, it was like a kind of like a clickbaitish website. So I'm like, eh, I don't really know much <laughs> right. stock I put into that. But you must have seen it too. So obviously it's got some kind of legs. But um, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me. That's that's normal. It's I mean, it's a wrestling war, and you're always going to have guys jumping back and forth. I think the real wrestling war is going to happen in one to two years when some of these AEW contracts start running out. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, like a Sammy Guevara, and then WWE's fielding him with offers like, "Hey, come over, we'll make you the next Eddie Guerrero, whatever." Right, right. So um, it's really good because the AEW roster is getting pretty full right now. I mean, it's getting to the point where, from a fan's perspective, it's awesome because you 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 go to look at a dynamite lineup, you know. Um, and I know you're not that well versed with the roster, but. When I look at any AEW lineup, I just see an all-star listing. Like, I recognize everybody in every match. I recognize all the managers. I kind of know what's going on. I'm like, wow, this is a pretty cool card, right? Right. Like, the next two shows are going to be really, really good. They got the New Year's shows. um, The New Year's Bash 1 and 2 are coming out next week and the week after that. And those are going to be awesome shows because you have uh, title matches. You have all these different guys on there that you don't normally see. Like, Pac is going to be wrestling. A bunch of different guys. And um, you know that they're all going to be, number one, they're going to be great matches. You have this underlying thing going on with Impact Wrestling that could blow at any moment. And these two TVs will lead into uh, Impact Wrestling Hard to Kill on January 16th. So there's a lot going on. It's just such an interesting product. But when I look at the listings for AW, I just, I just, it's cool to recognize every name on that, on that um, listing. And kind of like get excited for it. The bad news is is that the roster is getting full and there's not going to be enough spaces for each of these guys to go into. So that's kind of where we start hearing stuff about, uh, you know, there's going to be a, a, a second television show. It's going to be added soon, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but I think for a company that's only about a you know a couple of years old, I think they're doing uh, they're doing great. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next two cards, man. Yeah. You you really got me interested in AEW, man. Like, if it wasn't for you, I don't know. It was really exciting when it first came out, and then I I kind of looked at it and I, I watched a few, but then I was like, okay, whatever. But then you you've always been like really loyal to them, and you always tell me about it. So that kind of got me back in. And last week when we saw the Brody Lee tribute, man, I I recognized kind of at that moment like how much of a an important thing it is for the for other wrestling promotions to step up and give competition. Because to me, AEW right now has a sort of a magic to it that WWE has lost years ago. And it's just, it's very interesting and it's very unique to them. Like they have their own style and the way the show is presented, 
they don't have much of a ramp for the wrestlers to watch, but they uh, to walk. But they have like two tunnels that they come out of, and they kind of do their whole entrance like through like when they pose at that stage. It's just so different. Like it, it literally forged an identity of its own, and I'm really, really excited to see where that company is heading. And speaking of that Brody Lee um, tribute show, man, that that got me teary eyed. That was <laughs> that was really. Oh man, what watch. a great show too! It was, yeah, it was. That's just a really good show. AEW Dynamite, the uh, Brody Lee show, the tribute show from last week, just, just tremendous, just tremendous. And man, they were rushing to fit everybody in. Like it was just like one match after another match, intro after intro after intro. Um, really good. And I liked how in his music video there was people like Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt and uh, everybody, tons of guys on the indies and in WWE. Because I really feel like that kind of breaks a barrier, you know, like just because the person's not on your roster anymore or those people aren't on your roster period doesn't mean you shouldn't, you know, put them in there. Right. Right. So I think it does way more. I realize we live kind of in that WWE world where if he's not a WWE guy, he's not going to be in a WWE programming and he's not going to be part of the WWE universe. But it's like, yeah, that's so sticky. Just get away from all that stickiness. Just be an open and cool environment. You know, look at Tony Khan. He's not the best speaker in the world, but dude, he was in there and he, he was doing great. You know, like doing his bit there at the end and announcing um, the Brody family and everything like that. It's just got more of a homemade kind of feel to it, which is uh-huh. kind of nice, right? right? Yeah. They sometimes go through. They sometimes have little issues that like kind of aggravate me because I'm like, oh, WWE wouldn't do this. Like sometimes when they flip from in-ring action to go to a backstage package they forget to turn off the house microphone so when the video package is going you can actually hear it on tv echoing inside of the arena right wow just little things like that that the wwe would never do you know right um the same thing the video packages in ew have gotten a lot better but they're still not at the level of the WWE packages because those packages are just like world class, right? Yeah. So there's certain things that aren't quite there yet, but overall it's pretty good. And something that I know you like and that I like is Kenny Omega and uh, specifically Kenny Omega, but also the Bucks and, and that core nucleus. They're all huge video game guys. So they're taking like extra steps to they, this is not just they signed some disclosure thing allowing somebody to develop a game for them. They are hands on. They they have been quoted as saying they want this to be like W like nineteen ninety eight Nintendo No Mercy. Like that's what they're angling for. That's what or at least they're not saying it's gonna be as big as that, but that's kind of that kind of pick up and play style that they want, that's what they want for their games. Right. They're, they're more into the arcade uh, angle more than the simulation angle. Yes, sir. Right. And I think, and I think that's part of like when you bought me um, uh, WWE 2K18, is it now? Or 19? I think it was 18. 19. Because 20 was a shit show, I think. Oh, yeah, it was 19. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was 19. When you got me that game, I liked it, but I hadn't played a WWE game in like eight years. And the one thing about that game that I noticed is it's so real. But then I'm kind of like, it's so real. Like, I can almost just watch it. It's too real. I want it to be more arcade style. You know what I'm saying? I think that's why when I discovered WWE Legends on uh, PS3, I was like, yo, this is perfect. Now, that might skew a little too arcade, a little bit crazy. Like, to get stunned and you bounce out of the ring. Okay, that might be a little bit crazy. (laughs) Not really. The Rock Rocky Maivia's like, no, it's not. You know, <laughs> yeah. Rocky Maivia, the great, the greatest seller of the st- stutter. Right. <laughs> uh, my favorite one is that that famous one where he gets stunned 
He stands back up, goes in a circle, and then flops. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's why he skewed toward more of the arcade style. Um, when EA Sports launched EA Big in the early 2000s, and then you had games like SSX and um, all those other ones. I think, uh, what did you have? Uh, you had, you had FIFA game. Street. You had NFL Blitz. Right? All those games. Yeah, yeah, or was yeah. that Midway? I think that was Midway. Oh, B- Midway did Blitz, I think. But Big did uh, they did other games. Uh, NBA Street, is that them? NBA Street, I think they did, yeah. Yeah, they did a bunch of stuff like that. And that, those are the kind of games that I like, right? right. Although, um, did you see uh, they announced, um, not announced, but they're, they're, they're releasing more information on Gran Turismo 7. So that's going to be like the new game for um, people that like to play video games with cars in it. Um, I've never been a huge Gran Turismo guy. I can appreciate it. But if I'm looking to have fun with, especially if people are coming over, uh, in the old days before COVID, <laughs> I definitely would rather pop in like a Need for Speed versus a Gran Turismo, right? I think it just it attracts more of the general population. But yeah, definitely. Um, back to what you were saying about the uh, oh, excuse me. Um, it's kind of like what we talked about. I'm not sure when we talked about it, but we talked about it. Uh, I got Skater XL for Christmas, and yes. I told you how it was too realistic. Like they were trying to some ambitious thing, you know, where both control sticks control each individual feet and you pull the tricks off. And the whole point is basically to make the trick like if you do a kickflip, that kickflip arguably would never look exactly the same each time you do it because it's so intricate and timing is everything. And that's kind of like where it loses me, even though I, I, I used to skateboard heavy and I'm really into the scene and I still keep up with whatever's going on in that world. Even I can admit, like, this is too much. I feel like it's just not fun anymore. And I'm sh- that game has its fans, and that's fine. But to me, Skate was the perfect balance of simulation and arcade style, where Tony Hawk was just arcade style. There was nothing really realistic with Tony Hawk. Um, that game had you playing guitar over the Great Wall of China. Like, it was insane. Uh, skate, <laughs> skate didn't do that. Skate was literally like, if you're a skateboarder, this is the game for you. But it's still fun as hell because it's not so complicated to understand. Where a skater excels just a whole different level. And the game, again, I spoke about this somewhere, but it's not polished, and it's just, it's literally, it, it looks like they gave you the tools to make a skateboarding game. That's what that game is. <laughs> it's, it's got like a whole modding community, like it's insane. Um, so I wasn't a fan. Sucks. I was really looking forward to it, but I wasn't a fan. But you have a, you're developing a record of hating all of your Christmas games. By the way, <laughs> I know I, it's, I gotta change. Any that. game you get for whether I buy it or somebody else buys it, it's just kind of like. <laughs> yeah, sorry, uh, Leo. I didn't like your game, but <laughs> um, and you asked for it too. You prick. I did. That was on my Kringle list, but um, that's awesome. There's uh, maybe that's why I never pulled the trigger on it because I said before I've seen it in store so many times and something about it just didn't didn't like make me want to buy it even though i'm the type of guy that like if i want something i'm gonna go get it right away but whatever is this the uh you said you played the previous skater games right no this is the first of its kind like that's oh i'm sorry it's the first of its kind okay yeah skater xl oh so you came in with an uh like an idea of what the game might feel like but it didn't feel that way yeah like in in skate the skate series by ea you use one stick to that's like your directional uh pad directional pad that's basically you know you turn you turn with the stick 
and your other stick is basically all your tricks. So there's a, there's a way to move the stick to, that you could do all the tricks on there, and it just it worked. It worked so damn good. And even at the time when that game was new, I was so used to Tony Hawk that I was like, that's fucking weird. That's not gonna work. But then I tried it and I fell in love with it. I was kind of hoping the same thing would happen with this game, but now this game's rules is the shoulder buttons turn and the two sticks do the tricks. And I think that was just way too much. Turning with the shoulder buttons alone was like the weirdest thing. And I just wasn't a fan of it. Like I wasn't. And well, because the shoulder buttons, it's almost like um it's almost like the way you're describing you control the guy on the skateboard is almost like the way you the way I would control like if I'm playing a first person shooter, so I'm controlling the guy with my left and my right, I'm just kind of uh controlling the camera, right? Around me. Yeah. Not a first person, sorry, a third person. So if I'm walking straight with my left stick and yes. using my right stick to kind of move the camera around. Um and games with shitty cameras, you kind of can pick out right away because you notice that you're working the camera. Exactly. Whereas Spider-Man, for example, I rarely have to touch the camera. Unless like I want to see it completely around me if I'm in a battle mode. Right. But more often than not, I will just use I'll just use the camera that they have behind Spider-Man. I'll just use that. I'll be fine with it. And if I know that there's some prick running at me from off the screen, I'll just either triangle my way toward him and the camera flips around. Yeah. Or I'll um, I'll just throw web at him and the camera will again spin around. I love the camera on Spider-Man. Oh, it's perfect. Like that that game, you realistically only need to use the camera when you're in an enclosed environment. Like if, you, if you're doing some yeah. kind of stealth section and you want to know what's around you, that's realistically yeah. the only time I could think of where you yeah. like, Drop right, it, or if you're looking for camera. one of your backpacks or something, right? Yeah, there. shit like that. Like it's fine, but yeah, that game does the camera right. And even I, w- I wouldn't even give camera faults to Skater XL because it's it's done in a way where like skate videos are shot, like that low angle, but you see yeah. everything. So that's fine. I don't really have many gripes. It's literally just the control. I think it's just too much. Yeah. Like I tried to do. I don't know if you'll know what this is. I tried to do a 360 flip crooked grind. That's like one of my best, like my favorite skateboard combinations. I love the way that looks. I took 10 minutes to try to do that perfectly. And I guess that's the fun of it. If it's a simulation, because in real life, that fucking trick is hard as shit. (laughs) But at the same time, it's like, yo, I'm sitting on my couch. I'm drinking a fucking beer. Let me land this fucking trick so I can move on and do something else. Like, I think it's just, it was too much for its own good. And if you like the game, yo, props to you. I can't yeah. like it because I like skate and Tony Hawk. <laughs> yeah. But, so uh, yeah. Anyway. Would this game have been perfect if if you had never played a Tony Hawk game? Uh, this game would have been. If you were been... thirteen years old and this is like the first skateboard game you popped in, you would have been like, okay. No, I think it would have been good if I never played the skate games. Ah, uh, okay, gotcha. I think the skate games, because the skate games are right in the middle between Tony Hawk and Skater XL. Like, they're literally a mix of both to me. Gotcha. I think Tony Hawk is literally something you could pop in, and you want high scores, and you want, like, some fast-ass action. Yeah. Skate was more of a simulator in the way of, like, you want everything to look really pretty, but you also want to have fun doing it. You don't want it to feel like a chore. Skater XL felt like a fucking chore. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So... It is what it is. But um, back to the wrestling games. I didn't really play. I haven't ever played any arcade wrestling games except for um, No Mercy on the N64. 
But even then, I think I was just so young that when I started playing the SmackDown versus Raw games, which eventually turned into the uh, 2K games, I think to me it was just a natural progression. And looking back at it now, like, yeah, the N64 games are way more arcadey because they're more simplistic. Um, but the, the, the modern 2K games are so... There's just so much customiza- uh, customization involved, and you could do whatever. And it's what you're saying. It's just too realistic. But I kind of never really had another um, another example of a wrestling game. So I kind of just right. had to be forced to learn those. So I'm pretty good at those. Mm-hmm. But when you told me that you bought the... Uh, what was the game? WWE Superstars? Yes. Uh, I looked it All up. Stars. All Stars. I looked it up, and I saw like what it was. And like, yeah, that... That's crazy, and it still looks pretty realistic in a way. Because if you look at the right. recent one that came out, Battlegrounds, that looks mm. fucked. Like I, right. I think I saw Roman Reigns. They or look something. like kids with big heads. Yeah, they look like Funko Pops, and like they like yeah. one dude got thrown. I think it was Jeff Hardy, and that sucks because that's my boy. But he got Man, thrown. They're always shitting on Jeff. <laughs> they're always shitting on Jeff, but they on TV and the video game doesn't matter. <laughs> they threw Jeff into an alligator pit, and Dang. an alligator ate him. Like it was like, okay, well, this is too much for me. Like that's kind of too ridiculous. <laughs> so WWE All Stars yeah. has to be that balance. <laughs> well, I'm. Play- that's funny. I'm playing uh, Street Fighter Five right uh, four uh, five excuse me, and so what I do is um, I don't know if you ever have I don't know if you have a warm up game that you'll sometimes before you dive into like a four hour thing you'll play something for like half an hour just to like get the juices going, so I like to fire up uh, Street Fighter Five and just turn on the uh, battle mode, and so I'll I'll turn on battle mode then I'll go into like the practice room and I'll just be practicing some moves, and you know I live in Canada so. Very quickly, you don't get to practice much because somebody you'll get matched up with oh, somebody yeah. right away. Yeah, and um, same thing, right? I just uh, play two, three games, and you know you you gotta leave on the W, right? So I, I wait till I, I I win a couple, <laughs> and I'm like I gotta leave now. I can't leave on a loss, right? So I did like right. two wins, like all right, and then I'll you know I'll Sony back out and get back into uh, Spider Man or whatever it is that I'm playing, but. Um, yeah, no, it's a good one for me to kind of get my juices going. WWE uh, All-Stars is the same thing. It's just like a fun game. You're not going to spend six hours playing it. But if you spend an hour or two, you can really make it through uh, the game. And it's got like, um, I think I, sh- I think I sent you one. Um, it's got like all these different fantasy matchups, all these fantasy rivalries. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. The best part about each of those is, man, you can go in and uh, watch the, they've actually made uh, like a full-on, you got to go? No, no, no. Oh, okay. You can actually uh, go in there and watch. They've made a full-on, like, one-minute-long preview of each of these fantasy matches, right? So one of them is, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus CM Punk, right? And it's just so good the way the way it's edited together. It actually feels like they're talking to each other, like, oh, my God. Wow. And then it ends with that, and then it goes into, like, the next, you know. But that's the, there's a bunch of those, but that's one of my favorite ones is uh, Austin Punk. Um, that game really, really surprised me, and I still haven't beat it yet. So, well, I've I've beat most of them, but I haven't finished it. So that's another one I got to go to back eventually at some point. Do you have any games that you like to play for an hour or two, um, or what? what what's kind of your thing, or do you just like turning it on and just jumping into your four-hour uh, marathon? Ah, uh, that depends how much I'm into the game I'm playing. Um, Usually, right. like these days, I I play some Smash Brothers before I get into anything crazy. Um, right. So I, it's kind of, that's kind of like my Street Fighter. So I'll play like, but I'm a little different. I kind of get on the because I I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm pretty good. So I get on a winning streak, and I kind of stop playing when I lose. So 
when I lose, I stop playing because I have I've accumulated <laughs> a winning streak. And when I lose, I'm just like kind of like, all right, fuck this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But um, it's just it's fun, man. And they keep adding the the character roster. The, it keeps getting bigger, and Sephiroth's in it. And we wreak all kinds of havoc. But um, that's one. Animal Crossing is another one. But that's that's one that I could easily lose track of time and my my like hour of gaming turns into all day because that game is just addicting. There's just so much you could do, but uh, that's another one. But usually like it's, it's a, it's a smash brothers uh, game or maybe it's even some GTA online, which I recently got back into. Um, that has always been more of a chore though, because I kind of dropped off uh, this year, but I used to turn it on and just check on all my businesses, make sure everything's up and running. I sell some stuff. So you could sell like drugs, guns, whatever, make some money. And then I restock and that's it. I leave it for the, for the night. I might leave my PlayStation on all night just so it could like accumulate money. So I could come back from work the next day and sell all my stuff again. <laughs> like money in that game is, is the end all be all of importance. Like you got to have money. Um, so I was doing that, but recently, uh, now that we bring this up, might as well get into it. I recently checked out the new DLC for GTA called uh, the Cayo Peri perico heist perico um basically what it is they gave you access to a whole new map so it's an island um that you can access and the whole point of this island is basically you you take a trip there and you're kind of like this guest and you go to you go to a party there it looks like guarma like it looks like just a nice little island that's just for partying and uh You you kind of have to sneak off, and there's guards everywhere. That whole island is secure. There's one mansion on that island, and it's El Rubio's mansion. You're trying to take him down, and um, you leave, and you gotta sneak around this island without being seen, and you gotta basically scope out entry points into the island where you can make like get in there without being seen, but not take a plane, like not get in the airport and stuff. So, for example, I scoped out a drainage tunnel, so that was my entry point. What you have to do is basically get in there rob this guy's villa so there's gold money like just jewels artifacts whatever you got to scope it out though first so it's a couple missions in advance before the heist but once you do the heist everything is on your map so now you know exactly where to go and the guards are there you know where they are you'll be like you should be good but it's hard because they're they're no pushovers man like if you get seen it's a gun war and there's some dudes with armor that you, they take they take like 20 shots to the face they're still not dead so it's good to have friends so me and uh, a guy that i uh, uh one of my friends we we've played for years and we've recently linked up again to do it and it was fun man that was the most fun in gta online i've had in so long and i feel like it was because it was different it was a different change in scenery but in order to even access this heist like you got to own a penthouse in the casino you got to buy a submarine and that's just millions of dollars and if you're not a regular player i feel like you're not going to have that which i think is one of gta's biggest faults i think making money in that game is just way too hard the uh the online community is toxic as hell like i feel like it's just pandemonium uh all the time i never have a good time once like some asshole sees me on the map and just decides hey he's delivering some drugs let me fuck up his day so you know he gets he he torches your shit and then all the time you spent preparing that goes to shit and that's ultimately what made me stop playing because i just got sick of that but like like random people would know you're on a mission and they try to like yeah that's the thing like all the missions are all the missions are in the open world so everyone gets notified whenever you do anything and they get notified for the sole purpose of like taking you down. Like, oh, uh, so-and-so's delivering some guns right now. 
uh, intercept their delivery and make some money because then they'll make some money off your ass wow, for blowing okay. you up. So it's always a pandemonium. And I don't know. I feel like back in the day when GTA Online was new, there was way less of that. And just everyone was kind of just more into their own thing. Like I was just so like into making money off the missions that they provided and i loved buying the new stuff that came out every week or whatever but now it's not that now they got submarines planes yachts flying cars flying bikes with missiles on them like it's insane now gta has become like just some 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 next game it's not gta anymore but this dlc though was fun i i finished it yesterday i robbed the dude i made a lot of money and you could do it over and over again and get rich um, but it was good, man. In terms of DLCs, this this has got to be one of the more interesting ones because it's a whole new map. And I think GTA came out in 2013 or something. Like I feel like right. it's just it's been a long ass time, and I'm just over that map, and I'm ready for GTA 6. But if they're gonna hold us over with stuff like this, then bring it on. I'm a fan. <laughs> Fair enough. You said you were. Um, you said you finished Mafia over the holidays. Yes, that was another one. I finished Mafia. What was that game like? Mafia was dealt with in two days with me because I was so into it, man. Um, wow. So, and is this just you going through the main story, or did you also do some other stuff too? Uh is there much in the way of extra stuff? Not, not really. I don't know. So I never played the original PS2 game. I don't know if it's structured the same way, but I know you have, so maybe you could tell me. Um, there's a like a campaign mode technically where it just keeps giving you the chapters, and then there's a free mode which is what you would enter, and then the free mode is basically your open world that you could do anything you want. Mm. So the farther you get into the chapters and the more stuff you get in the chapters, the more it's transitioned into the free mode. So by the end of the game, you go into the free mode, you have a lot of the cars and a lot of the outfits and a lot of the guns or whatever. So, I mean, if you want to do the extra stuff, I think the free mode is the way to go. In terms of me going out of my way for the extra stuff, no, I, I didn't do that. Um, I was just so into the story and I really needed to know like the conclusion and where it went that I it's one of those rare cases for me where I just completely ignored it and I said, screw it. I want to just figure out what's going on in the story. I'll do the extra stuff afterwards. Not to mention, though, there are there. So there are like these cards in the world, uh, cigarette cards. Uh, yes. Of like mobsters and, and famous like yeah. you know mob people so you get those in the world sprinkled in and every every so often you're in a mission and you you see one i would grab it whatever but i never went out of my way for one maybe i will one day but um i finished it and it was awesome man i can't believe i never played the mafia series uh it took a, a definitive edition for me to get it but um <laughs> yeah it was it was great man if you like gta like this is this is for you gta in the 30s like it's it's a it's a mob game. Uh, obviously, it's called Mafia. You deal with the story of uh, Tommy Angelo and and his rise to power, and it's just it's a complex thing. But if you've seen any Mafia movie, you kind of know how this goes down. But I was just really interested to know how this version of a Mafia story would uh, would come to terms in the end. And I was not disappointed, man. It was great. It was honestly great. That's and awesome. I'm honestly, I'm interested in. Uh, eventually, I'm going to get to Mafia Two and Mafia Three. Um, but yeah, it was it was awesome. If you've played the original but you haven't picked this up, I think you should pick this up because I I've watched videos comparing the two. Holy shit, the love and care they've put into this definitive edition is out of this world. It looks beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember playing Mafia 1 back in the day on the PlayStation 2, right? Yeah. And um I just remember you're in these old cars at the beginning of the game and the cars are moving so slow and you're like, <laughs> "What is happening here?" 
And uh, obviously, you know, the cars get better and better because time does go on. And right. you also get more money, so you're able to get more gangster-looking cars and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, one of my favorite uh, parts of that game, and I bet if I watch it again, it probably hasn't aged well because the graphics probably look horrible. But there's this part near the beginning of the game where you're actually driving across the uh, bridge, right? You know that part I'm talking about? It's just gigantic bridge, and you're moving your way down this bridge. Um, I believe, are you a taxi driver at the beginning of the game? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So you're coming down this beautiful bridge and whatever. Um, so it's pretty good. What I remember from the original Mafia was, even though it had this world that you can just drive around anywhere, nothing ever really happened in the world, like ever. No. It was kind of like GTA 3-ish in that sense, right? Like nothing, nothing was going really on on, on the streets. So it's not like um, you got to make sure you have ammo in case somebody attacks you in the sidewalk or something. It's nothing like that. But, uh, yeah, I can't remember if it had campaign mode and then open world or if it was just one big thing lumped together. But um, I remember it was a fun enough game. But I remember uh, the story was what really pushed it for me. I just thought it was such a great, almost, honestly, movie-quality script that – got turned into a game i don't know how you felt about the first one because i don't remember that story that well but i'm just speaking from mafia 3 which is oh, the one okay. that i played but right you know yeah no i totally could see this as a movie um it's and how bloody is it it's pretty uh wasn't that bad i wouldn't say it's that bad there's certainly some things that's like oh shit but <laughs> wow most of the time it's pretty tame it's it's okay um, wow, really? Eh? Mafia 3 might be more violent then. Maybe. Mafia 3, if you shotgun somebody, like, you can see, like, the stain on their back. Like, if you shoot them from the front, like, you can see, like, the stain on their back or they'll get blood splatter on the walls and stuff like that. Pretty I mean, in, freaking terms, violent. in terms of that stuff, yeah, that's there. But I always thought there'd be more, like, like, for example, Sleeping Dogs, to me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. was a violent-ass fucking game. Really? Dude, like, I remember playing that for the first time and being kind of, like, shooken up about it because I, <laughs> I grabbed a dude's head and I, like, ran it through a table saw. Like, that was next level shit at the time. Mm. Um, you could, you could like, that game was all about, like, hand-to-hand combat. There was barely any gun scenes. There were, but, like, it was very limited. And it, like, it encouraged you to use your surroundings so you could, like, kick guys into telephone booths and yeah you know shove their head in vents and table saws and all that um so that game was always more hardcore this is just you know it's more guns and shooting but the world of mafia what you're saying uh there there isn't really anything enticing to do the free mode unless you just want to go for a nice drive in a nice car like realistically it's not right the only reason you do free mode is for that and for getting all the the cards the the extra collectibles in the game and I think after in the free mode, you you have access to like some special cars that you can get uh, that yeah. wouldn't be seen in the story mode. Other than that, yeah, the the world's empty. It's not like Spider Man where your overworld is flooded with stuff to do. Like if you don't yeah. feel like doing the story, you got shit ton of shit to do to hold you over for the day. Uh, this game isn't like that. This is one of those games that I if you like a good mafia story, like get Mafia. Like it's a good fucking game and the story's awesome. And because of that alone, I'm I'm gonna pick up Mafia Two and Mafia Three. So wow, I think, I think it did its job. Um, how do they come? Those games are sold separately. So from what I understand, this is weird. Um, in the Mafia, so I have the physical version of 
Mafia Definitive Edition. You put it in, and then it says, it brings you to the main menu, so campaign, free mode, whatever, extras. And then at the bottom, it says Mafia Trilogy, and you buy the other two games through there. Oh, okay. So, but here's the thing. I don't know if you need to have Mafia Definitive Edition to have that, like, to, to buy the trilogy, or I don't, and, like, that's the only way you get it. Or if you can just put in like Mafia Two or Mafia Three into like the PS4 uh, PlayStation Store and buy them separately like that, I don't know. But the way I'm gonna do it is through the disc. Maybe I think um, one of the cool things that the creators of the Mafia games did is. Uh, by the way, who's the cre- who's the uh, publisher of this game? Two uh, K. So yeah, published by Two K, developed by Hangar Thirteen. Okay. So one of the cool things they did was when they announced that this revamped, uh, this kind of redone Mafia 1 and Mafia 2 came out, what they did for Mafia 3, if you already own Mafia 3, is they gave you all the DLC for free. So that was kind of your little here you go, you know? So that was pretty cool. So that's when I noticed because when I I went to play Mafia 3 late last summer, back in 2020, the eye of the storm, (laughs) but in 20... But yeah, I remember I put it in, and just like you said, and on the menu screen at the bottom, it said uh, new DLC available. When I clicked on it, I saw the DLC, and I saw that it was free because I'd previously looked at the DLC, and I'm like, okay, I forget how much it was. It might have been like $10 or something. Right. I was like, okay, maybe I'll play that after I'm done three. But now it's it's free, so there you go. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking at the PlayStation Store on my phone. So apparently you can buy them separately, so... Yeah. For anyone interested in that, there that is. But I'm gonna I'm gonna get it through this because at this point I feel like I'm on for the ride of uh, the other two games. Wow. Yeah, it really won me over. <laughs> I like that. All right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I've been playing. Um, I don't know what the next big ass game. I might stick with God of War. Uh, from what I played, I liked it. It's not a game that I usually play in terms of like the style and, and just how yeah. heavy it is. But right. I liked what I played and I might stick with it. So that might be the next one, but for the now, way I would, the way I would say it, it's kind of like, um, I wouldn't say it's a beat up, but that's, you don't have guns in that game. So it's definitely like you're using your limbs to like smash people around. Right. And you can work out combos and stuff like that. So it's fun. And then it's got puzzles the puzzles are definitely a little bit more trickier in, in some cases in like the Uncharted games, but there's a good sense of like, okay, I figured it out once it's all done. Um, but from what I've heard, that's just a well-written game and the story with the father and the son will kind of uh, have you misty-eyed at certain points. Right. See, that's the kind of game. It's kind of like Mafia. I'm in it for the story. I don't really care much for its world. Um, it's probably done great. Uh, it's, you know, it's just not my cup of tea. But from what I've played, yeah, it's the writing's awesome. The the voice acting has been great. Uh, I'm probably three hours in, four hours in. Yeah. And uh, it's quality. I, I think that game got game of the year either in 2019 or 18. I forget. But, you know, it, it certainly deserves it. Like, I was blown away just by the, the cinematics and just the direction that it has. Like, it's unlike anything really that you've seen. Um, It's just the uh, the kind of game it is like that that like linear but not so linear uh level progression it's it wants to be open world but it can't be open world like it's really weird it's kind of like 
Skyward Sword in 2010. It's a Zelda game, but that was the one Zelda game that people were like, eh, it's not that great. Plus, it was motion control. How come? How come? How come people were like, it's not that great? Well, I think at the time, there was a Zelda drought, and uh, 2010 came along, and the Wii was pretty much at its at its end, but there was a Zelda game promised for it. And uh, it comes out, and Shigeru Miyamoto, the, the creator of Zelda and Mario, he's he's doing this demonstration at E3 and he's trying to get the motion controls to work and they're crapping out on him. And it's an infamous... Oh, that's the worst. It's an infamous thing. You could look it up on YouTube. Like, it's just... It's sad. It's sad to see that he's, like, trying to, like, get this shit to work and it's not working. Um, And, like, the game comes out and it's just mixed. People either really love that fucking game or really despise that game. Right. Um, Interesting with me, that was my first Zelda game. So, Skyward Sword? Skyward Sword. The 2010 Zelda game was my first Zelda game. That's I, crazy. It is crazy. I feel like I'm a rare case. I saw that game on YouTube, on IGN. I was looking for shit to buy because at this point, I think I had my own income. And I saw this Zelda game and it looked beautiful. I think the art style in Skyward Sword is awesome. And I bought it and it got a 10 out of 10. IGN gave it a perfect 10. Wow. So I buy it and I was really into it. And it's my first Zelda game. So I don't know what's good and what's bad to me it's like this whole first experience and i'm playing it and i beat it and i loved it the 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 motion controls were never really a big issue for me i thought they were great um but that one game inspired me to go back and play every zelda game and that's what i did so i'm always in the camp that skyward sword's a good game but nevertheless it was linear whereas zelda games are never that linear this was literally like you go to one level this one set path and you go straight into the dungeon at the end and that's it back to the hub world um that's kind of like what god of war is to me it's like you kind of have to make it your own open world game like there's always these little paths you can take uh that aren't that you're not supposed to go to for example you start the game and the kid is actually leading you on so you're supposed to follow him but if you ignore where, where he's going and you take the path on the right for example there might be like some kind of treasure chest there that you can get some kind of extra health or some kind of upgrade or some money or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, that's, that's its way of saying that it doesn't have to be that linear. But then again, it's like, that's not really enough to make it an open world game. So you can't really say it's not linear because it is, you, you, you get that chest and you go back on, on track to where you're supposed to go. So I'm not a fan of that. I'd rather, I'd rather just be an open world game. I love open world games or just make it like a, a basic ass like you know side like side scroller or just here's a level go beat it like a very straight up linear game i don't like when it's trying to be something it's not and that's kind of what that is to me um yeah it's more like a how could you put it not quite an open world game not quite sandbox but it's almost like it's got tiny little sandboxes and it allows you to play exactly playing this little sandbox but you can't go out there but once you finish these things you can't just explore. We're going to grab you and put you into another little sandbox. Exactly. There's more stuff to learn. That's kind of Final Fantasy was like that, too. Final yeah. Fantasy VII Remake. I it never was. really felt like, even though I felt like I could walk, go around anywhere in the map, it was so... Not to say that the map was small. I guess comparatively, the map in Final Fantasy VII is pretty small, right? When right. you think you can pretty much get away, get from point A to point B in about, what, five, ten minutes if you're just walking? 
in a, and avoiding battle <laughs> in a yeah in a normal chapter probably but i know that in yeah. in that game there was one chapter where everything was open and you could technically go anywhere that you were you've gone yeah i tried already. to go through the sewers and then i realized that the, all the bad guys are like respawn I'm like oh, okay i'm not gonna screw use that place, i'm out <laughs> i'm gonna go back upstairs and write a chocobo or something you know right which sucks uh, that you can't game. do that in that game. That's that's the one thing I miss about that. <laughs> you, the chocobo take, racing. Yeah, well, the racing and the the fact the that breeding? You, you can't ride one. You you take a chariot, I think, right? Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See, but that game is like, I don't know. That game had such. I, I've I was I was really vested into the story before that game was even out because I fell in love with the original and I'm a big Final Fantasy guy. So I can't even like give that game blame. It is the way it is. And speaking of which. The rumors are that the next game is going to be open world. Like, they are going to open it up. And I think that's that's awesome. Oh, but it's, cool. All right. Yeah. It's going to be like the original where it's the globe and you can go anywhere. And that's awesome. But that's also fucking scary because I really hope they don't fuck it up straight up. But Right, we'll, right, right. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, I know they're they're doing the uh, mocap right now. So, that's, that's pretty good. Um, we should have some news soon about that game. Hmm. But, yeah. God of War that's is awesome. probably going to be my next game. That's nice. pretty much what I'm trying to say. What about you, Chris? What do you? You're obviously trekking through Spider-Man right now. Yeah, I'm going through Spider-Man right now. I'm at. Uh, I mean, I could finish it in a, in like a few hours, but because you know the storyline is not that long. Right. But so today, what I did was uh, I'm about 55 percent completed through the story, and I'm still at 55. So all I did for two hours was just basically just go around and just try to clean up as much as I could. Finding as many backpacks and uh, little gimmicks around the city, all the side missions. I've made my way through those. I would imagine the side, the side ones come to an end at some point because each of them seem to have like a little dialogue with uh, another character that needs your help. So I would imagine those run out after X amount, right? Yeah, I mean the Spider-Man side quests are. Once you hit every icon on that mini map, like you're done. Right. Which I kind of like. There's no secret bullshit. You don't have to go out of your way to look something up. Like, it's there. Yeah, no. Each district, I think, has like five side quests that you need to do to make that area safe or whatever. Exactly, yeah. um, But yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. In terms of what I'm going to play next, I don't know. But I was kind of... I jotted down a couple of titles that I wanted to play. The the Mafia, you know, the Mafia games is one of them. Mm -hmm. I've got a war on here. Um, Borderlands is on here. That's a game that I've always wanted to play but never had a chance to. Um, Bioshock is another game that I've never fucked with, but it's one that I've wow. I just keep seeing it. I'm like, I might just jump into that one. Um, Control, right? Control's a game that came was a like game of the year a couple of years ago in certain publications. So that's another one that I'm into. Ghost of Tsushima, right? That's another one. Um, and then of course Watch Dogs. The original Watch Dogs, I actually started playing it a long time ago, but I just got out of it. And for me, it's just not one of those games you can just pick up four years later and just learn oh, the buttons no. real quick. you got to start at the beginning. So yeah, I'll go back to that one again. But uh, those are just some of the ones that uh, I've been looking at. And then on the Nintendo Switch, I just I like playing my third-party games. So, you know, so I've just been playing a lot of that. But um, what have I been playing on the Switch? I'll probably just try to finish Mario 64. And then uh, the other one that I was playing was, um, what was I playing? Yeah, I think that's it for now. Yeah, 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 that's it for now. Yeah, I was playing uh, that one, and I was thinking about getting, um, I was thinking about getting Bioshock on the uh, on the Switch, right? Because it's a good game to have on the go, mm-hmm. and you can buy the whole trilogy for like forty, fifty dollars, whatever it might be. So, 
it comes in a collection, right? So it's not the uh, it's not bad. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I have Bioshock as part of the uh, the PlayStation the free games that they do every month. Yeah, yeah, me too. From last year, yeah. Yeah, so that's there. I never played Bioshock. I tried Borderlands. Borderlands is. You know me. I'm not a first person guy, so I didn't really care for it. Um, yeah. But Control, uh, a couple months ago, the Switch of all systems had a a trial for Control, where they were doing this. They're trying this thing now where you can stream games. Yeah. And Control, I think, was the first game that they tried. And from what I played, I I'm into it. I think it's a cool ass looking game. Um, but I might just get it on the PS4 to get all the uh the bells and whistles on it. But yeah, that's right. definitely one I'm looking forward to. And also Ghost of Tsushima I've talked about. I think I I think yeah. I would really like that game. That's probably on my, my list too. Um Yeah, that's awesome. I think an- another one is Death Stranding for both of us. Oh we've for talked sure, about my God. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested in that too. But um Yeah, Death Stranding is definitely one of them. But I also speaking of that that man, K- Kojima, I really want to get back into Metal Gear. Um Right. I, I beat Metal Gear solid for the first time in my life this year and yes, or sir. last year technically. And it was awesome. I fucking loved it. I can't believe it took me that long. So I also kind of want to continue with that series. So Metal Gear 2, I'll probably be hitting in 2021 for show. I got to finish that game. I still... Uh... Oh, yeah. You never beat it. We played it at the same time. <laughs> no, Tiffany had the accident and then I kind of just put it down and never picked it up again. Um, uh, yeah. It's just one of those things that just got left in that timeline i sometimes will do that just to maybe deal with things is i will detach myself from something like that right so if i was wearing a certain cologne when something horrible happens that smell might remind me of that so i i don't put it on anymore just something stupid like that i don't know if you get what i'm saying but no you're right i feel like that's why i dropped metal gear when i beat it because i had i had every intention of continuing it but i just i didn't want to i was kind of just like I'm going to move yeah, on from now for now. Um, yeah, because I remember you started it before me, I believe. And then for some reason you put it down and then I got ahead of you in that game. Yeah. And then I put it down and obviously you finished it. Um, but yeah, at one point you were right behind me because you were at the uh, that infinite staircase. Oh, I hated that and shit. And I was because Rex, <laughs> Rex is just ahead of that, right? Yeah, you're, by that you're point, right you, at the end. You're, yeah, because by that point yeah. you've already had the helicopter fight, which was freaking awesome on top right. of the uh, yeah, building there. You've already been through that, or that might be after the stairs. But you that's get after my drift. the stairs, yeah. And then after you end up going back in to get Rex, right? But um, yeah, yeah. So I'm right at the end of that one, so I'll play it. And actually, I'm thinking out loud right now. This is great because I actually thought I was playing it on my PS2, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to get the PS2. I got to connect it again. I'm actually just remembering right now. It's on my PS3. I downloaded that Ooh, game. Nice. So I'll probably uh, just pop it in the PS3 and just uh, finish it really quickly. And yeah, like you said, then you have your uh, the rest of your the rest of your um, the rest of your um, games uh, to play. I mean, you have Metal Gear uh, two, three, four, and the one that I haven't played is five. Um, but two's another one. Two's another like linear game if you have a weekend off and you, you do but you know what i mean like if you have two or three days you can beat it not that it takes two three days you can beat it in two nights right right because metal gear wasn't that long in fact i was shocked when you told me you beat it i'm like that's it and you're like dude you're at the end i'm like i guess i am yeah I think <laughs> it just it only... felt so much longer i don't know why it just it... Told me it felt so much longer before it straight up took me eight hours i think yeah you whooped it i yeah but it was like in my mind, it took long because I didn't play 
a lot straight. Like I would play like 30 yeah. minutes to an hour because of what was going on at the time with us. And I didn't really have time to like kind of chill. I think I I would only play that game when I came home from the hospital and I was trying to fall asleep but couldn't. I would kind of play that game until I was tired and then I go to bed. Right. Um, that was literally it. I think it literally those eight hours got stretched to like two weeks. Like that's <laughs> that's kind of how that went. Yeah. But um, I was really happy with it. By the time I beat it, I I understood why it's so popular and and the genius of it. So now I'm I'm in I'm into it. I'm into the series. I'm gonna. I'm going to take on Metal Gear 2 this year. Yeah, definitely uh, play Metal Gear 2. I think I might have sent you a trailer, and I said, watch the trailer, but don't don't go in and read too deep because there's certain spoilers in that game that can not ruin it for you, but you know what I'm saying? It'll be there, yeah. I did pop in the disc on my... So I'm also playing it on the PlayStation 3, but last year I got lucky and scored a PlayStation 3 that was backwards compatible with PS1 and PS2 games. So like I popped in the original Metal Ge- Metal Gear disc from the PS One, and I yes sir beat it that way. So that was pretty cool. But um, I popped in the uh, PS Two disc for Metal Gear Two, and I, I was just kind of surprised that there was like a skateboarding mode. <laughs> and right uh, oh, oh yeah 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 I tried that was not a fan. I think that's worse than Skater XL. Well, it's more meant like as a gimmick, right? It's a demo. It's just a demo. Apparently, they, they made that demo because they had that same company had uh, another skateboarding game or something coming out that they made on the yeah. side. But not Kojima. It was like the publishing company or something. And they wanted to do that mode as like a little demo for their actual skateboarding game, which did not do well, obviously. Um, well, one yeah. of the bad guys, the first boss, I think, is like a guy on uh, either on a skateboard or on roller skates. I think he's on roller skates, but it's kind of the oh, same wow. idea. I'm pretty sure it's a very similar physics engine that they used. Yeah, yeah, probably. Because yeah. he's on roller skates, this annoying big fat guy, and he's like throwing grenades at you. Oh man, I don't miss him. Uh, but uh, yeah, you'll you'll <laughs> tackle him again when uh, when you get into his new game. That sounds wacky. But yeah, that's my. I think that's my that's, gaming schedule this year. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm. any RPGs you wanted to get into this year? Ooh, uh, yeah, probably. I just can't decide which ones. I think I've played every Final Fantasy that I've wanted to, except maybe six. Uh, six is definitely something I got to get out. Um, I might replay seven again just for the sake of like the oh remake coming my. out. Oh my! I think I want to. Um, but we'll see. Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross and Earthbound. I feel like those three are the ones that I might get into. Wow. I am playing. Uh link to the past right now which is not an rpg but um i might get into uh final fantasy 2 i think i told you about that game i was playing it when i was went to go get uh tested for covid might jump into that um on my tablet now using that rom site that you gave me i might check that out right but uh yeah that one and then maybe breath of fire which is free on the um on the uh, Super Nintendo there on the Switch. So oh, yeah, that's right. That might be one to check out as well. So just a bunch of games to play. And, you know, because of COVID, there is more time to play it. You know what I mean? But uh, that's definitely one that I want to play. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of RPGs, I just remembered. Um, I still haven't. I think I've tried it. I've definitely tried it because I liked it. But Dragon Quest Eleven on the Switch, I have not gotten into yet. Oh, right. I got to try that out. Um mm-hmm something about it disconnected from me i liked it but like i just didn't continue it and i got like two hours in and i was kind of like just was don't... it the art style 
No, it's not. That's the thing, man. Like the art style is what drew me in, and it's you like those big um, cabbage patchy kind of big headed uh, like Japanese style animations. You thought they were cabbage patchy, man. That's like it reminded me so much of Dragon Ball because it's done by the Ooh. same guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I was. That's what kind of got me in. And mm-hmm. maybe there are characters with disproportionate heads. I don't know, but uh, that's kind of that's literally the hook. Like, I was but like, I like this that. Looks yeah. awesome. The main character yeah. looks like Android Seventeen. You know, <laughs> like yeah. I was like, okay, sick. But uh, yeah, something about it just. I, I think I just had a lot going on at the time, honestly, and that's probably what happened. But uh, that that game, the demo alone for that game, you could get the demo right now for free on the Switch or the PS4. That game is a ten-hour demo. And I played like three hours of it and I was sold. And I was like, okay, I don't want to play anymore because I want to get the actual thing. And that's kind of where I dropped off. But good, good fucking game. It's uh, everyone. Everyone talks really, really good about it. So there's no reason not to check that out, too. So I'm going to add that to the list. Nice. It's on the list. It's on the list. It's on the list. The Jericho list from 2016. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, that's it in terms of games. Uh, Is there anything else you want to talk about real quick? Well, have you ever heard of a guardian? I think so. <laughs> so check this out. So this is from uh, the NPR website. So Space Force members will now be called guardians. This is from December 19. So it says the Army has soldiers. The Navy has sailors. Now, after one year after its creation, it's official. The Space Force has Guardians. Vice President Mike Pence revealed the moniker during remarks celebrating the first anniversary of the military branch on Friday. Quote, it is my honor on behalf of the President of the United States to announce that henceforth the men and women of the United States Space Force will be known as Guardians. Pence told a room full of military and yada yada. Soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines and Guardians will be defending our nation for generations to come. That is wild. Are we getting closer and closer to the aliens coming, or are they already here? This is like Guardians of the Galaxy, you know? Yeah. The <laughs> government's The government's becoming very uh, friendly with, like, the idea of, like, aliens and space. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's this almost is... like they're preparing everybody to be like, yeah, yeah they're here. Yeah, Not exactly. much they can do. Exactly. This is kind of like their, their ease ease point of entry like to telling us what the inevitable is, you know? Like, there are some aliens <laughs> yeah, yeah, living yeah. among us, and... You've you've probably come in contact with one of them, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like people wild. from New Zealand. We don't know if they exist. We know of New Zealand. We see it in encyclopedias and stuff. Um, especially me, I still look at encyclopedias. I don't know why I would say that, but Jesus. we don't know if they really <laughs> exist or not. It could be a trickery. <laughs> I'm just fucking around. But with the aliens, it's like we become a lot more uh, uh, accepting. I guess just accepting accepting the right thing. exactly and i think the government's realizing like hey these bastards might not freak out and like light the whole country on fire if we just tell them like yes we've been in communication with extraterrestrials or some other life form or some other intelligence that's already out there kind of thing listen man at this point nothing fucking surprises me if if i learn that aliens exist i'm probably just gonna be like all right cool <laughs> you know? yeah i feel like it's just what else what else is is gonna happen we live in some yeah. strange ass times man there was um when COVID hit, and I think we talked about this maybe before, but there was a meme I saw, a picture of aliens, and they they're like running around looking nervous, and they're like talking amongst each other, and then they're like, "Oh shit, we're next," <laughs> as in like ah, it's a good. show, and they're about to be put on on spotlight, and like yeah. they're gonna present themselves. This is that's literally what this is. We're gonna yeah. have aliens this year. 
Like people are saying 2021 is going to be a better year. I think it's going to be, it might be better, but it's going to be definitely more unique and stranger. I, I feel. <laughs> Let's check this out. It's a perfect segue into the top 10 dire predictions for 2021. Ooh. Check this out. This is from Listverse, which is a website which lists everything. And of course, I had to go find this in the bizarre section. And this came out yesterday, part of the weird news by Jonathan Blah. It says, it's fairly safe to see at this point that 2020 has not been a good year. In fact, it's been a bit of a disaster. And the running joke at the moment is that everyone will be staying up till midnight on December 31st, not to see the new year, but to see the old one leave. So, but of course, no magical reset is going to occur in January. Things will probably continue to be tough for, the, for some time. Or if some famous prophecies are to be believed, 2020 might just be as good as it's going to get for a while and will pale in comparison to what lies ahead. So it says wow. here, the reality is no one knows what the next 12 months will bring, but there's like all these different people that are like taking predictions, right? So the 10th one on the list is called Celebrity Heartbreak. And this one says, given what's to come, it's perhaps a good idea to ease into things and start on a lighter note. 2021 might be a challenge for the human race in general, but certain celebrities have been specifically singled out for a rough time by self-professed psychic. Now, he self-professed Nicholas Aohula. I think I got that right. Aohula rose to fame when he predicted the current coronavirus pandemic two years ago, and he's been at it again, claiming that he's had psychic visions of romantic turmoil in the near future for certain celebrities. Tom Cruise, Natalie Portman, and surprise, surprise, Kim Kardashian. Uh-oh. No, man. Kanye is about to drop on the album. He's also predicted <laughs> continue. He's also predicted continued drama for the British royal family. That's not a stretch. That family's been in turmoil for a couple of years already. Is he psychic or is he just playing it safe? Who knows? But there you go. Interesting that you would choose like certain certain celebrities to have a bad time than others, but uh this guy, remember, he's self-professed, so take that with a grain of salt. But he did say he predicted COVID here. Oh, man, I don't know. I These are just lucky guesses to me. I don't think it's... <laughs> I don't think we need to read... Deep, I don't think this guy's a superhero. I don't. <laughs> this one's uh, number nine. It says, Goodbye, California. This one's from Nostradamus, and we know him. As with all of Nostradamus' prophecies, this one is subject to interpretation. But since it references, quote great calamity in the lands of the west end quote there are quite a few out there who believe the man who was speaking about the obliteration of the western seaboard of the united states and with california's precarious position perched on several major fault lines as it is the logical conclusion here is that said calamity will arrive by way of a massive earthquake damn damn well they've been saying that for years like california is going to break off and go hang out with alaska or something like that I'm just yeah. <laughs> i mean obviously th this would be horrible if this ever happened but people have been predicting this catastrophic uh, california earthquake forever and lord knows there's been some close calls in and in, in, you know in recent history uh with some of the major ones being you know the uh, 19 um was it the world the world series remember the world series earthquake oh yeah what year was that i forget I believe that was 1986 or 89. Let's check this out. 89 World. sounds right. The World Series earthquake is game three of the World Series with a few minutes from starting when the Loma Prieta earthquake rocked Northern California. It ravaged the Bay Area, killing 63, injuring 3,757 and causing nearly $6 billion in damage. Holy shit. 
It postponed the World Series for 10 days. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. man. I, that, that was just nightmare. The fucking bridges were falling down. People were getting crushed underneath. Just horrible. Damn, man. Horrible. Nice. So, anyway, it's kind of cheap to put that one in at number nine. It's like, okay. But people have been saying that for years, you know. But, you know, hopefully that never, ever happens, man. No. Um, number eight, world leader woes. Nostradamus was not the only well-known prophet to make predictions. The blind Bulgarian mystic known as Baba Vanga had quite a bit to say about the year ahead as well. Deceased for nearly a quarter of a century now. That's 25 years, Ryan. Um, Baba Vanga nevertheless uh, singled out soon-to-be U.S. ex-president Donald Trump and Russian head Vladimir Putin for a torrid time in 2021. She claimed that Vladimir Putin will face an attempted assassination, most likely from an enemy within the Kremlin. And Trump will be struck by a mysterious illness that will render him deaf. Wow. Holy crap. That's a hell of a prediction. Those were made years ago. Decades ago, rather. Number seven, worrisome weather. So far, 2021 isn't looking too bad. Well, we're two days in. As long as you're not a politician, celebrity, or resident of California. But just before the rest of us uh, breathe a sigh of relief, both Nostradamus and Baba Vanga. So these two guys are putting the same chip on the uh, number there. They're providing that unpleasant weather is coming. Well, that again, don't we hear this every year about the uh, inclement weather? It says here, along with earthquakes, the French seer told us that we can expect widespread flooding and solar storms. Solar storm, that sounds scary. Baba Vanga, too. He was of the general opinion that we will see severe weather-related occurrences with some frequency throughout 2021. I mean... I mean, yeah, that could happen, I guess. You know... We're not really going out on a limb here. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is this could easily be something that a weatherman could predict, right? Or and my if nephew. If it happens, it happens. Or if not, if not, your nephew could probably predict this. Yeah, you know? they've predicted wilder things that have come true. Yeah, <laughs> Uncle Chris, Godzilla's coming. What? Why the fuck not, Dylan? Yeah, Godzilla's <laughs> coming. At this point, nothing would surprise me. He's Godzilla. Plot twist. <laughs> Number six, the fall of Europe. Well, we're kind of seeing this a little bit. I want to say the fall of Europe, but um, (laughs) the world, really, but certain parts of Europe are greatly affected. One of Baba Vanga's previous accurate predictions involved the rise of Islamic extremism. And according to her, things will reach a climax in 2021 when the Arab population conquers the continent of Europe. What? Nostradamus weighed in on the matter as well. And while the specifics differ between the two predictions, they both seem to strongly suggest that the year coming will see the obliteration of Europe. That is a wild one. Hey, we're going out on a limb here. Yeah, we were just complaining about no wild yeses. So I guess the Saudis are coming. They're going to take over Europe. I mean, that's, that's craziness. I don't know. I got to warn my people. Yeah. All right. Let's see if we can get some better ones here. Number five. Okay. Cyborg soldiers. You know what? That's that's not as crazy. That's kind of already happening, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I, I honestly think that's just within a couple years reach, honestly. Man, I saw the... Have you seen those videos of those, like, robotic dogs, like, leaping over fences and, like, running across terrain and shit? It is scary, man. No, I haven't, but I'm going to check that out. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it's scary, but awesome. Uh, so let's see here. As disturbing as the notion of an army of cyborg soldiers is, there is some good news here. According to the French astrologer, this is uh, Nostradamus, they will come to save us. Wow. Well, that makes mm. sense. Yeah. If you want to go destroy somewhere or some country and you can't get in there through traditional military, military means, 
send the robots in. There However, he seems to suggest to suggest that they will be American. And given the country's history of unwanted military intervention, such saving is perhaps something the world could do without. Hmm. I mean, I don't know what to say to that. That's wild. They're coming in to save the United States. Here's number four. Okay, we're getting warmer here. Ooh. An asteroid encounter. Be sure to add this extra worry for 2021. In case you're keeping track, you can add another potential asteroid strike. Potential, because the man who made the prediction, Nostradamus, yet again, isn't clear on whether or not the celestial body will actually strike the Earth, saying only, quote, in the sky one sees fire and a long trail of sparks, end quote. Dude, there's an asteroid prediction every year. Yeah. That was a strange noise. But yeah, every year, every damn year, an asteroid's going to hit us. Um, you know what's funny? I just saw the trailer recently for God knows what reason. That movie 2012. Remember 2012? Yes, sir. That was when the world was going to end. I remember being in high school and like actually thinking it was going to end like a retard. Sorry, I'm not going to use that word anymore. <laughs> but um, it just, it's it was stupid to me. And it's like, you know what? Every motherfucking year, there's a potential crazy thing that's going to happen that's going to end the, the universe. And this guy is predicting just a couple of them that if it happens, we're going to praise the dude for being right. But if they don't happen, it's just going to go into the pile of, oh, yeah, it was just bullshit. Right. Plus, Nostradamus made a ton of predictions as well. It's not like he made three predictions and then peaced out. Exactly. This guy made tons of predictions. So it's like placing, uh, this is going to sound funny, but it's just the more chips you put on a roulette wheel, <laughs> eventually right. you're going to get some kind of payout. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he's playing the one-to-one. He's just playing the outside bets right now. That's what I'm saying. That's what yes, I was doing well, put, the, this weekend. Uh, put 25 cents on a hurricane. Put 25 <laughs> cents on you know the Arabs taking over Europe. Like That's just crazy, man. And anyone can do that. You know? like Your nephews right. were, were playing roulette with us. They didn't right. know what the hell was going on, but they were winning some money. <laughs> this is what this is. This dude is just saying everything, and if something happens, hey, he's going to get known for it. Yep. Check this out. Um, th- that doesn't sound too bad at all, the fact that you know it's uh, in the sky once he's fire and a launch full of sparks. That doesn't sound too bad. But then again, the event is not necessarily a disaster in itself, but rather a kind of har- harbinger. Yeah, harbinger? Harbinger? Yeah, harbinger. Of the general doom and gloom we can expect in 2021. But if a giant asteroid was heading our way, wouldn't we already know about it? Well, the answer is yes, we would. And yes, we do. NASA is currently tracking a large meteor called 2009 KF1. The current trajectory analysis projects a decent chance that the comet could collide with our poor planet on May 6, 2021. So there you go. Wow. But for anybody reading that too much into that, asteroids hit the Earth all the time, but they're usually like really small pieces of rock by the time they get here and pose no real threat. So uh, yeah. we'll see. May 6th. So we got uh, about five months to live. Less than. Pack your bags, kids. Yes, sir. Number three, biblical famine. Uh-oh. Oh, it's getting man. dark now. It's easy to laugh off these apocalyptic predictions. They've been made many times before, and after all, and that is sure to continue. But as we see the devastating effects of climate change on global food production and the ever-growing reports of pandemic-related supply chain distributions and shortages, you would be forgiven if this laughter is of the nervous and certain variety. And as the shelves in the grocery stores grow ever, ever emptier, 
the laughter will may well soon cease altogether. Man, I don't know about the biblical famine, but obviously there are parts of the world that are in trouble. And um, even living in a first world country like Canada, you do see shortages of stuff here and there and all over the place, especially since the pandemic hit. It kind of makes you wonder that all this stuff is not, you know, these resources that we thought were unlimited. Not quite unlimited when you, you know, when you're going there for a bottle of water and they tell you that there's no more, you know. Yeah, you're right. I mean, just look at it. Look when COVID hit and people were going nuts over like toilet paper. Like, even though that is more of a that's not natural. That's a product. But things that you 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 always think are there for you. Toilet paper. I mean, toilet paper was never a thought. But when COVID hit, that shit was like gold. You could not find it. And if an even bigger you know catastrophe happens like the ones you're saying, yeah, things like water could be obsolete. Things like oil and like things you need to live like that are necessities that could all be gone and that's a mm-hmm. scary thought man because like what do you do yeah yeah, yeah toilet paper thing was pretty wacky um it only rem- it reminds me of in the early days of sars in the early 2000s when people were coll- uh, excuse me not, not sars for y2k when people were like buying all this bottle of water you know like i'd never seen a 24 bottles of water in a package together before the Y2K then. thing happened. Maybe they existed, right? Like for the odd person that wants to buy 24 singular bottles of water. I mean, I but it that, was, but okay. <laughs> but it was after that that just you started seeing them everywhere. Like you go to time, Walmart yeah. and like motherfuckers have like four or five stacked in their car. I'm like, where are you idiots going? Like what's happening here, you know? <laughs> um, but anyway. So, yeah. So that's number three. Number two, the return of the Messiah. He's coming back. Seth Rollins? Yeah. <laughs> so it seems the world is set to end in 2021. If you won't take Nostradamus' word for it, fear not. An unlikely collaboration between mathematics, ma- mathematicians, excuse me, and bi- biblical scholar bears out this dire forecast. Richard Shaw's documentary, The Torah Codes, and to Darkness, popularized the Da Vinci Code, like idea of finding hidden signs and symbols in ancient texts. And one interpretation of the apparent prophecy hidden within the writings of the Old Testament is that 2021 will see the coming of the Jewish Messiah. Wow. Rabbi Galzerson has taken the idea and run with it, becoming somewhat of a minor YouTube celebrity in the process. He claims that the end of days began in 2016 and will culminate in 2021. Well, I guess you need to tell a story over five years with the second coming of Christ. This would be good news if it didn't mean the end of the world as we know it. But then again, anything would be preferable to the final entry on this list. And number one, what is what? Take a wild guess, number one, Ryan. I want your imagination to run wild. Um, COVID twenty. Close. COVID twenty one. <laughs> What's been uh, What would you say is a devastating? disease that you've seen on tv and video games that often leads to the end of the world oh like zombies yeah zombie apocalypse. definitely there yeah that's always up there and i can't believe that's number one number <laughs> one it says oh yes just in case you thought 2021 couldn't get any worse we have zombies to worry about as well if one interpretation of a certain uh quatrain in nostradamus's prophetic writing comes to pass then we are soon going to find ourselves living out an episode of the walking dead well, the text merely references, quote, half-dead young people and the, quote, 
end of the world, unquote, and can be read in several ways. There are those who take it literally and believe the Frenchman was warning us of a biological weapon that would turn the majority of the human race into the living dead. Popular fiction of late has us so inundated with the depictions of the scenario that it's perhaps not too surprising that we leap so readily to this conclusion. Fortunately, should a zombie outbreak occur, we have some technological support. The Survival Manual mobile app is a great tool for staying alive in difficult situations. And, according to the Irish Times, the advice it offers would be well-suited to safely navigate an undead invasion. So, we can scoff at Astrodomus' prediction, but it might be prudent to download the app at the same time. You know, just in case. Just in case some zombies so, well, break So, you out. can go on and download the Survival Manual app and... When the zombies do take over, you'll be one of the first to know. Make sure you leave your notifications on. <laughs> your phone oh, cannot be man. on silent this year. <laughs> what a 2021 we're going to have this year. If, if even one of these things comes true. I thought 2020 was bad. Ooh, boy. Yeah, it could get crazy. We get some zombies. The return of the Messiah. We got all these yes. predictions happening. We got a comet coming. Yo, 2021. It's going to be a wild year. Nowhere on this list was the aliens, but uh, I'm guessing they, they can't be too far off. Well, they're going to be our allies. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. What do you got on tap for the rest of the week? Just chilling? Oh, it's currently Saturday as we're recording this. I got tomorrow off, and then Monday I'm back to work. So I'm going to enjoy my last day tomorrow, chill out. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Probably more of the same, but uh, it's been a nice, it's been a nice time off. What are you gonna? You're do? back Monday. Yeah, I'm back Monday. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. What's on your tab? That's it, man. Back to work Monday. Uh, I had to double check today, and make sure it was Saturday. I didn't know what day it was. I was like, is it Saturday today or is it Friday still? I can't remember. Right. So I said, Hey Alexa, what day is it? And she's like, It's Saturday. I was like, All right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's hearing everything and reporting it to the government, and that's why the aliens are coming. <laughs> uh, last bit of news: I want to touch on one thing. Um, I want to give the man his due. MF Doom passed away. Uh, sucks. Yeah. I was a bit of a fan, and um, I just—it's weird that he actually passed away October thirty-first, and we're learning about it two months later. But that's pretty. It's pretty on brand for MF Doom. Really mysterious figure. Some say the most enigmatic, like unpredictable um, figures in hip hop. And what a way to go. You die two months uh, before the news breaks. That's insane. But for people who don't don't know of MF Doom, pretty much a legend in like the underground rap scene. Um, He like, if you're into the lyricism of hip hop, like if you're not into like the mainstream, there's a chance that MF Doom crossed your radar once or twice. Like that mask was so iconic and it, it was just a cool thing, man. He literally made his own universe of like poetry. Like he, he literally like made this whole, like he went by many characters, some of them being, um, let's see here. Let me see if I can remember off the top of my head. There was Doom Starks. There was, uh, the mad villain. Oh man. I think there, at one point he just went by Doom. Uh, he was a big Godzilla fan. King Ghidra right. was one of them. Uh, just stuff like that. Like he literally made all these characters, and like he wow, just operated. Yeah, he he operated solo. Like he did a lot of collabs, also uh, a lot with Ghost Ghostface Killer, actually. But right, um, 
he was just a cool dude, man. Like really unique. No one was doing what he was doing. And obviously MF doom was an inspiration of Dr. Doom, the Marvel villain and his first album titled operation doomsday. Um, he is, we see Dr. Doom on the cover, but I think it's more of like if he was Dr. Doom kind of right. Artwork. Right. Um, and that was 1999. So he's been in the game for a long time. His last album being, um, in 2018, Caesar face meets metal face, uh, a collab album with Caesar face. Never heard of him to be honest, but mm-hmm. man, what a rapper, what a, what a loss this is it sucks, but, uh, may he rest in peace. Um, if you're interested, I think like, if you really want to get into MF doom, his first album is definitely a freaking classic. His, uh, the title song doomsday is, is awesome. I'm going to play that at the end of this show, but, um, cool once i heard that one man i was i was hooked that whole album was awesome and then as the years go by you know he released so many projects and and a lot of projects were collaborative too um but like he just you know if you're into the lyricism it doesn't really matter like you could tell that dude was a fucking rapper to the core like he he had the talent to be the best lyricist ever and it sucks that he's gone um but a lot of uh when the news broke about his death a lot of um people that you wouldn't really think would be kind of affiliated with him kind of broke their silence and you know they offered up up their little tributes and a lot of them were were q-tip from um oh what's it what's q-tip from jesus christ i'm blanking out tribe called quest mm-hmm. um quest love from the roots tyler the creator who's a huge name in this day and age yeah uh dj Premier, danny brown denzel curry like there is a lot of people that were like they looked up to mf doom and and it's just cool to see that so he obviously made a huge impact not only in the underground scene but if, if he, even the mainstream artists they're they're aware of who this is so it was just really cool to see the impact he did chris are you familiar at all with mf doom or did you listen to him or what no, not at all, really. I know the name. I uh, I know his pedigree. I know I know what he meant to the uh, uh, obviously the, the the rap community because um, when I was in radio school, I went to radio school with a guy by the name of Andre Andre Jeremiah, and um, big huge hip hop head. You know, if if somebody put a mic to their face, he's probably heard of you. You know, um, and he 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 had mentioned the name to me. And I thought it was a badass name. Like that's the guy's name. That's badass. Like that's such a cool. <laughs> sounds like a like a like a. It sounds like a boss in like a video game, you know. Right. Yeah. And it reminded me of Doctor Doom, so that that whole thing, obviously on purpose or not, but it, it obviously worked. Um, but he told me it was one of his favorites, and to hear it from him was like, a, like I said, it was a big hip hop and rap head. Um, I and I'm me never even hearing of this guy ever. I was like, well, I gotta at least check it out. Um, so I checked it out a little bit, but aside from that, I never really got into it. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, as soon as I saw the name, I sent them a message. Actually, I commented on one of his pictures, and because uh, I knew he would post something. Because I remember, I remember him telling me like he was one of, if not, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he, one of the best. You know, I would, I would imagine top five on his list. But uh, there you right. go. Yeah, definitely. I actually found the way I came across. I love how we're making this full circle. But Tony Hawk's Underground. He had a he had a track in there and now I forget which one it is, but he he was in there, he had a song and I really liked it, so I looked it up. I looked up the whole album of that game and that's pretty much how I fell into it. Um but yeah, rest in peace to MF Doom. Sucks that you're gone, man. Alright, I think that's yeah. it, but Chris, anything else you want to talk about? 
I think that's it. Uh, we, like uh, Ryan was saying earlier, we recorded a podcast fresh episode. It's up right now. We review episodes five and six. Those are the ones uh, Grandma Got Busy and Who's Coming to Marry. Mm-hmm. So that's the one where uh, Haiti comes in. And um, that's the one where uh, Haiti comes in and they kind of rehash the angle with Uncle Phil. Where Uncle Phil doesn't really want her doing anything too, too crazy. But, of course, she's single and looking to mingle. So there's that episode. <laughs> and then Ryan takes on uh, Look Who's Coming to Mary. Um, that's the one where uh, Aunt Viv's sisters are all in town for the wedding. And uh, they discover that the groom is really, really tall. And uh, <laughs> this issue with him being tall uh, gets played out in this episode. So we review both of those ones. Uh, so if you guys want, you can go in and sh- take a look at those. This show is obviously up because you're listening to it. Duh. But we will try to get another uh, podcast, Fresh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air show up as well. Uh, if you want to follow us, you can go to Instagram at Podcast Fresh or you can shoot us an email at podcastfresh2020 at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm on Twitter as well. I'll be posting more frequently um, and I'll be, I guess, uh, as time goes on, I'll be letting you guys know when I'll be on. So if you guys want to go on there and just uh, mingle or ask me a question or comment on something, that's cool. That is Podcast Fresh T.O. on Twitter. And that's all I got to say about that. What are you saying, Ryan? Yeah, that's... You you got it, man. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Podcast you Fresh to you on Twitter. Podcast Fresh on Facebook. Podcast Fresh on, on Instagram. Um, if you're interested in what I'm doing uh, on Instagram, you can find me at official underscore acapello. Uh, my One Winged Angel song it was the last one that I released, and everyone loves it, so go check that out. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, that's it. We got a lot more planned this year. I think this year will be our year, so to speak. I know people say that all the time, but I have a good feeling. And uh, And, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're gonna put, we're we're gonna try to post more more frequently. I feel like I've I'm in uh, I'm I should be the forefront of that statement because there's a lot that we could be doing. Uh, but you know, just given events and life, stuff gets in the way. But yes, 2021 sir. will be our year, sir. Uh, anyway, we hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next time. Stay fresh. Mike, check. Junk. Pop the trunk on 
Essay cypherpunk, leave him left scraped off a bit. If ain't no escape, blame him F take. Definition super villain. A killer who loved children, one who is well skilled in destruction as well as building. While Sydney Sheldon teaches the trife to be trifer. I'm trading science fiction with my man alive lifer. A pie pipe, a holler, a rhyme, a dollar and a dime. Do his thing, ring around the white collar crime. Get out my face, asking about my case, need toothpaste. Professor mint, monkey style nigga to death today. And dope fiends still in their teens. Shook niggas turn witness. Real men's mind their own business. That's the difference between sissy pissy rappers and double dutch. How come I hold a microphone double clutch? COs make rounds, never have ox found on shakedown, lockdown, wet dreams of Fox Brown on doomsday. Ever since the wound till I'm back where my brother went. That's what my tumor say. Right up on my government doomalay. Either unmarked or engraved, hey, who's to say? Doomsday. Ever since the wound till I'm back to the essence. Read it off the tomb. Either engraved or unmarked grave, who's to say? Pass the mic like Pastor P's like they used to say. Some MFers don't like how Sally walk. I tell y'all fools is hella cool, her ladies from Cali talk. Never let it interfere with the Yeti ghetto slang. Nicknames off nipple and tip of nipples, metal fang. Known amongst hoes for the bang bang. Known amongst foes for flow without no talking orangutans. Only gin and tang, guzzle out a rusty tin can. Being this mic is like yin and yang. Clang, crime don't pay. Listen, you, it's like me holding up the line at the kissing booth. I took her back to the truck, she was uncool. Spitting all out the sunroof, through her missing tooth. But then she has a sexy voice, sound like Jazzy Joyce. So I turned it up faster than a speeding knife. Strong enough to please a wife. Able to drop today's math in the 48 keys of life. Cut the crap for his rap. Touch the mic and get the same thing that A-Rab would do to you for stealing. What the devil? He's on another level. It's a word, no a name. MF, the super villain. Get Doomsday. Could feel you MC.